Okay, let's take our last sermon in the call to spiritual maturity. Next Sunday, my big brother is going to be here preaching, and I'm really excited about that with his with his with my big nephew uh, Isaiah, <laughs> and he'll be telling some great stories. In fact, he's going to do a I think he's going to do a sermon called Family Legacy, and he's going to talk about the legacy of our McCutcheon family and the legacy of the Mayo family, which is his son-in-law, uh, and he's a part, his daughter married into the Mayo family. So uh, some of you are just first generation, but let me tell you, you got a great thing ahead of you to build a family legacy that loves God. It's just great. And um, so that's what I, we're gonna, I think he's going to talk about that. Pretty sure he's going to talk about that. Okay. Um, the call to spiritual maturity. Now, this is the final call of all the calls we've talked about. Now, today's message uh, may require you to do some application on your own. You, you know, I, I give you a principle, and you've got to figure out where to apply it. Don't hesitate to email me or text me if you need some help with that, or if you, I don't, what did you mean by that, and how do I apply that? I'd be glad to talk to you about it and help you with that. Ephesians 4, 8, this is from the Message Bible. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We will not tolerate babes in the woods. Small children who are an easy mark for imposters. And that is Eugene Peterson said that. I didn't. He said it. Um, we probably will tolerate some babes in the woods. Uh, but God wants us to grow up. Everybody say, grow up. To know the whole truth and tell it in love. Like Christ in everything, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other, his very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow healthy in God, robust in love. Now we're going to jump back to the left in your Bible, to Ephesians, I mean Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. One verse. Be perfect. That's pretty intimidating, right? Be perfect. Therefore, and everybody's going, I'm not perfect. No. You start, the Bible says, be perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, we're going to explain that. Spiritual maturity is not a mere set of behaviors. Spiritual maturity uh, is not just a group of rules that you follow. Now, that's not to say there aren't rules to follow. I strongly believe in rule keeping. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness are rules to follow unless you want to pay the consequences. But spiritual maturity is about a way of being. Matthew 5.48 starts with the word be. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father in heaven is perfect. Ephesians 4.13 that we read from the Message Bible, we go to other translations, says, we become mature. Ephesians 4.14 says, there will no longer, we will no longer be infants. So maturity is about your way of being and not just a set of behaviors or a set of rules that you adapt. The word perfect, in, uh, I'm going to let you off the hook here on perfect because you're all... Kind of, well, I'm going to find another church because I can't be perfect. They want people to, they want perfect people here. The word perfect is the Greek word telos, and it's found many, many places in the Bible, and it means mature. It means mature. If a if a third grader makes a hundred on a on a math test, they're perfect. If a sixth grader makes a hundred on a math test, they're perfect. 
totally different test. But it's because of their age. So it says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, in fact, one of, uh, by, by the way, mis- perfect does not mean to be mistake-free. It doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. In fact, one of the marks of an immature person is they're always in the church. I'll put it that way. An immature Christian. One of the marks of an immature Christian is they're always upset and destabilized by the mistakes of the saints. They were so rude to me. She rolled her eyes at me. That's the worst thing you could do. He rolled her eyes at me. They're always late. They walked right by me and didn't even speak to me. I know I'm dealing with a baby. A spiritual baby. I don't mind giving a baby a bottle. But I don't like to have to part the whiskers to put in the nipple. (laughs) There's time to grow up. My pastor used to say that when I was a kid. I never forgot that. (laughs) We all make mistakes. We, we're sure we heard from God about some investment and financially and it goes south. We blurt things out that are insensitive. You, you meet some person and you start dating them and you think they're the most amazing person you ever met and they're really terrible. You, and you know you heard from God about them. You prayed and God told you they were the one. Uh, you know? Uh, Mistake. We make mistakes, and and, and 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 we might even reach for the forbidden in a moment of weakness or temporary insanity. But it doesn't mean we're not mature. It just means we're human. So it's not about not making mistakes. Ephesians four fourteen continues: We're no longer to be tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people. And listen to those words. And I, that's not on the screen for you, but it's it's the new uh, international translation of the scripture I read from the message. Listen carefully. We are no longer to be tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, Christ. So what's he saying? What's he saying there? The scripture is teaching us that to be mature is being able to keep your balance. It's about being able to keep your equilibrium in the face of the realities and the challenges of life. It's about learning to be stable. It's about learning to be dependable. Learning, it's about becoming responsible. It's, it's, about, it's about becoming becoming like a rock instead of shifting sand. Spiritual, I'm going to say it this way. Spiritual maturity can be defined by the nature of God and His Son, Jesus. By the nature of God, this is so important. If you want to know what, it, what will I be like if I become spiritually mature, you will become like God. Not in, not in authority, you will never have God's authority or, or power, but you will become like God in character. You'll become like God in your persona. You'll become like God in your demeanor. You'll become like Christ in your demeanor. Like Christ, you'll become solid and mature and able to handle the challenges of life. Both Matthew 5.48 
and Ephesians 4 make this crystal clear. Living our spiritual maturity is about our ability to give life to others and your ability to receive life from others and maintain your inner peace, your inner strength while you do it. Some of you are here today and you're trying to solve the problems in your life by a change of circumstances that can only be solved by growing up spiritually and becoming mature. I, I, on my sabbatical, I visited uh, a church. I visited uh, nine different churches on my sabbatical. You think, I like going to church. I want you to know that. I visited nine churches, and one church I popped into, uh, is I, is not surprisingly, we've, I've been here 34 years, so I've run off a lot of people in 34 years. <laughs> You're thinking about leaving. Well, I tell you, I've run off the best of them. <laughs> and uh, so uh, people don't know how many churches I've built. I've built like four churches in this area. <laughs> I'll get, I mean, I'll get credit when I get to heaven, right? But I, I, I step in the door, and, and you know, and these aren't these are good people, by the way. These are good, good people. But, but they left us maybe 15 years ago, and and I know this is their fifth church since they left us 15 years ago. Uh, I don't know what kind of problem they're trying to solve, but. It is not, I'm going to say this, and I remember Rick Warren said a number of years ago, and Rick Warren's church was 25 or 30,000, so he wasn't, uh, he wasn't trying to uh, intimidate people into coming to his church. He, but I remember he said something that shocked me, because it was a long time ago, and I was a much younger pastor when I read it. He said, he said, five years from now, a lot of you will not be here. Five years from now. And... Um, that's a, that's a deep subject, and there's a lot of reasons why people leave churches. Some of you left another church to come here. I, I get it. So I'm not trying to unpack that. That's a very complex subject. But I'll tell you, all this moving around is not good for, for Christianity. This constant moving around is not good for Christianity. And I'm not saying that to try to just build my own church or our own church. It's not good for Christianity. It, 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 it is a mark of instability. And it's a mark of immaturity. So, I want to see God put some stability into your life. So that you become steady and you start making a difference and you start build it, building a legacy. When you become mature, you start building a lasting legacy. You don't go around taking a notch out of every tree in the forest and never cutting one down. You actually stick with something and you actually stick with a tree and you cut it down. I thought I would get an amen on that. It was in my notes. They will say amen. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm behind schedule today, sorry. Let's talk about the two natures of God in maturity. One is the spiritual maturity, about spiritual maturity and the giving nature of God. This is one side of maturity. This is why maturity is not a set of rules or it's just a set of behaviors. 
Because first of all, we have to look at the giving nature of God, and then in a minute we're going to talk about the receiving nature of God. You have, a, you have an outflow from your life, and you have an inflow into your life. And maturity is about how you, how you project, and it's about how you receive other people and other things in life and the things of life. So spiritual maturity and the giving nature of God is demonstrated by God's giving nature. Here's how it's demonstrated. To serve more than you are served. The Son of Man, the Bible says, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 24. So to serve more than you're served. If you are mature, you're able to serve more than you are served. And, and some of you did not have the ability, that ability until you had a baby. And the baby taught you how to serve more than you are served. Because they do not care about you. <laughs> it's the first thing you had. It's probably, for some of you, it's the first thing you ever had in your life that you deeply loved that only barely cared about you. <laughs> eventually, they, 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 think, they think you're awesome, eventually. But it takes a, takes a few months, right? You know, they have this, they have this word, that's, this term that's gone viral now, created by uh, Larry Summers, who was a, an economic advisor, I believe, for the Biden administration. And it's called quiet quitters. Have you heard this term? Quiet quitters. It's one of the most ungodly trends of our time. Uh, sociologists, psychologists, and analysts are busy examining why it's happening. According to the Gallup poll, and they, they actually do, I didn't know it, but the Gallup has been doing this for a long time. They do, a, they do these studies and surveys not to only determine who's showing up for work, but to determine who is engaged at work. And they claim that right now, at least 50% of the U.S. workforce, probably more, are, have quietly quit. In other words, the trend toward quiet quitting is the, it's the idea of spreading on social media and other places that millions of people are not going above and beyond at work. They're just meeting their job description. <laughs> I was in a Dunkin' Donuts a while back. I, I, forgive me, Lord, for going to Dunkin' Donuts. I, I like Starbucks. But uh, <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts is good, too, by the way. Uh, and so I go into there, and, and there, it's 3.30 in the afternoon, and there's not one donut in the place. I told him, you should quit calling it Dunkin' Donuts. Just call it, you can't call it Dunkin', just call it coffee. You have no donuts. And they had no plan, no ability to replenish the donuts. But there was one girl running at the drive-thru, and there was no one at the counter, and there was a young man behind me who had the uniform on, so I figured he worked on it. I looked around, and he goes, Sorry, I can't help you. I'm on break. <laughs> That's called quiet quitting. <laughs> I'm going to do the, it's my, it's my break. If you can wait 20 minutes, I'll get you a cup of coffee. <laughs> so, maturity is when you serve more than you're served. You, get, you give 100%. Maturity is to love more than you are loved. God proved his love for us while we were yet sinners. See, it's all about the nature of God. God proved his love for us while we were sinners, Christ, over us. To, to love when you're not loved more than you are loved takes a deep sense, or more than you are loved, takes a deep sense of security that very few people have. It's one that's hardly possible without a belief 
or a profound understanding of God and belief that God will ultimately reward me, that God will ultimately bring justice. If I love more than I'm loved, it's okay because I'm going to stand before a holy God someday and He's going to to high-five me and say, way to go. And so it's okay. But if you don't believe that, that's why it's Christian maturity. It's spiritual maturity. Also, to be mature is to produce more than you consume. I always say a baby is a canal that makes demands on one end and takes no responsibility on the other. Well, to be a mature person is you make things clean more than you make them a mess. You produce more than you consume. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. <laughs> Have any of you tried to outgive God? Has anybody here tried to outgive God? Good luck. Because you ain't going to outgive God. Because God will always outgive you. God will always outproduce you. God always produces more than he consumes. God will always give you more than he takes from your life. God, you know, God loves to bless humans. The Bible says in one place that he causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. That means, that means he causes the, 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 un, the wicked person's crops, they grow right alongside the righteous person's crops. God is not a consumer. He is a creator. Sure, he consumes our sacrifices, but his creativity and his contribution to our lives is always out of proportion to our creativity and his contribution to our contribution always. Every mature Believer tries to contribute more than they consume, and that doesn't make them victims. It makes them more than conquerors. <laughs> Hallelujah. Another mark of spiritual maturity is to never stay offended. Never. Never. Everybody say never. Never, never stay offended while trying not to be offensive. Now, that's maturity. When you never stay offended while you're trying not to be offensive. Most people have a balancing scale. You hurt my feelings, i got to hurt yours a little bit. And that's why if, if you use my hands as a, as a measure, if two people get into that competition for who can, be the, who can be the biggest beast, up there there's a homicide going to happen, you know? <laughs> offended people become hard-hearted due to the resentment that they nurse. No one has been offended as much as God. And he remains tender-hearted. That is amazing. I'm like, God, how do you do it? I've been rejected by, you know, I'm 34 years. I told you I ran off a lot of people. That means a lot of people looked at me or how I'm doing my job and said, well, it ain't good enough. <laughs> and I look at, I, I get, you know, I, I can have a real pretty party about that. But I look at God, well, 6,000 years of recorded history. Most people have rejected God. Most people have said, we don't need you, we don't love you, and we're not grateful for anything you've done. So if God can stay tender-hearted, I think I can pull it off. <laughs> Amen? Someone said, I forgot who it was. I wrote it down, though. Taking offense is a powerful drug. It's a powerful drug precisely because it gives us power. 
God, our creator, stays tenderhearted toward us and never takes the drug of offense. Now let's talk about the receiving nature of God. Let's talk about the other side. And, and I, I, I want to tell you, I want to give Bishop Jakes some credit here because he deserves it. Because I had, on Tuesday of this week, I had that whole first list. And I thought, this week's sermon prep is going to be a breeze. I already got my outline. Usually the outline comes later. I do the transcript, then an outline comes out of that. I thought, I've got my outline. This is going to be easy. I'm going to come back in here Thursday morning and I'll have this sermon done by Thursday at noon. And I got in there Thursday morning and something didn't feel right. So this is, this is not, there's something missing in the sermon. So I, I do what I do sometimes. I turn on YouTube and I type in a, my sermon title, whatever, in, a, in, in the word sermon. Well, well, Bishop Jakes pops up and he does a sermon on spiritual maturity. And I don't know if anybody ever listens to Jakes, but he is brilliant. He's a brilliant communicator. And he starts talking about spiritual maturity. And he said what I said earlier in the, earlier in the message. He said, spiritual maturity is about balance. And it, I said, th- that blew the whole thing open for me. Oh, that's it. I'm imbalanced. To only talk about how I should be toward others, but I've got to talk about how I receive others. How do I receive others? And when, how do I receive others when they are being Christ-like toward me. How do I receive that? The balance of God's giving nature is His gracious receiving nature. Many good Christians think they're mature because they're always serving, loving, producing, and in some rare cases, accompanying their self-imposed martyrdom, they actually forgive and don't act resentful. But most people can't handle that last one. But some can. But since maturity is to reflect the nature of God and His Son Jesus, and they're constant, and God is constantly receiving praise, service. People are dying for God. People are loving Him and honoring. So healthy Christians are not acting in their divine image when they can't receive as well as give. I could give you ten verses for everything I'm trying to say, but I'm not going to give you any, hardly any, because it's too, I don't have the time. Even the most biblically illiterate knows it's there. Spiritual maturity is demonstrated by receiving as God receives. It's, it's, it's demonstrated by God's receiving nature. And it's to be, to be served. And you maintain gratefulness. Graciousness and humility. Jesus, I couldn't believe it when I looked it up. Jesus commended a widow who gave one eighth of a cent. In today's money, she put one eighth of a cent in the offering. And Jesus, who, was, who, who, could, who could have had anything he wanted, Jesus, who had the whole world, noticed a widow who gave one eighth of a cent. Wow. Spiritual maturity is letting people serve you and noticing the very smallest thing they do for you. And be grateful. Amen. And remain grateful. You don't get arrogant. Oh yes, you're serving me because I'm, I must be pretty important. That's, that's why God's blessing me like this. Because I'm just about, I'm just the best there is. That's why, that's why all these people are coming out. <laughs> You're losing your equilibrium. 
You're losing your balance. To be loved and maintain gratitude. This is another one. To, to be loved and maintain gratitude for even the smallest sign of affection. That's similar to staying gracious while being served. Jesus said, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. God wants to bless you with good people around you who give you cold cups of water. God wants to bless you to be a part of a good church and a good community. God wants to bless you. You've got to learn to receive from others and not get thrown off by it, not get out of balance, not get arrogant, not get proud, stay humble, stay grateful. It's also to be successful and productive without becoming tyrannical and domineering. There's that famous Lord Acton quote, power, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. You all heard that, right? Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Well, I've always, I've, I, I've, I've never loved that quote. And not that I believe absolute power is a good thing, but listen, people are corrupted whether they have power or they don't. We're corrupted because of sin. We're corrupted because of original sin. We're corrupted because we're born sinners. We're, we, so we're not, we're not necessarily corrupted by power, but it is, it is a mark of spiritual maturity to have power and you don't become tyrannical. You don't become domineering. You don't become, you don't become dismissive or abusive to other people, but you use your power to love, and you use your power to lift up, and you use your power to make things better. You don't say, oh, power, I don't want any power. Listen, power is good. Power is good. God, I hope God blesses you with lots of power. But I just hope you stay humble, and I hope you stay small in your own eyes, and I hope you maintain the ability to know God has given me this power so I can make a difference in the world. God's given me this power so I can change somebody's life. God's given me this power so I can God's given me this power and this control so I can take care of somebody who cannot take care of themselves. We gotta quit this nonsense that power is bad. The people that are telling you that are the people that want your power. Amen? Here's a good one. To be able to show righteous anger with the goal of reconcilia reconciliation and not vengeance. Some people think a mature Christian is just always so sweet, so nice, just never, never says anything to offend anyone if you're a nice, sweet Christian. <laughs> what Bible have you been reading? <laughs> you know, Apostle Paul goes, I wish those people that are t teaching circumcision would go all the way and emasculate themselves. <laughs> uh, someone said, that's not very nice. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. A mature person can devastate you with truth, then build you right back up with love. 
Immature spiritual children are like Barney Fife. Remember him? <laughs> he had one, one bullet. He just, Barney had one bullet. And some, some Christians, only bullet they have is kindness. That's the only virtue of Christ that they understand is kindness. The Bible says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. See, there's the balance. See, the, oh, I love, the, I love this subject of maturity. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. That's tough. That's, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get in your face. Long suffering. I'm not going to crush you. I'm going to be for you. I'm going to say something that's going to throw you off. And you're going to go, ouch. But I'm going to love you. I'm going to stick with you. And I'm not going to walk away from you. Even if you go, I don't, I don't accept that today. Okay, I'll be back next year to talk to you again. And the next year. Because I want to be like Jesus who pursues us and pursues us and pursues us with truth and love. Everybody say truth and love. Truth and love. I, I, I got this shirt that Jack Easterby gave me called Truth and Love. And I, I wore it into the store the other day. And two people stopped me and said, I like that. People like truth and love. Let's become a church of truth and love, okay? Truth and love, truth and love. Let's just shout it from the housetops. <clears throat> Finally, I'm actually almost on schedule the sermon. <laughs> You're an audience, and I, 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 I get a little uh, cra- uh, silly up here sometimes, and I don't know why uh, I do, but uh, that's how I'm wired. But uh, you guys are great, and thanks for, thanks for listening, and, and, and I get a lot of feedback. I think some of you are actually assimilating some of this stuff, and I'm really gratified by that. It's, it's all God. It really is. God's agenda is to use all things to make us one with his son. This is the final step in, in um, maturity. And we know that all, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I know this is a go-to verse for Christians who, who, you know, and I'm not criticizing it, I'm really not, but it's a go-to verse for Christians who want to assure themselves that the latest material setback is a setup for the next material success. That's often exactly the case. God does that. We all have a story of tangible loss leading to tangible gain. You know, lost a job, you got a better one. You know, that kind of thing. But I propose to you that something more important is going on. That is God is working through both success and suffering to shape us into his powerful sons and daughters. Watchman Nee, and if you want to read a good book on spiritual maturity, read Watchman Nee's classic, Sit, Walk, Stand. God never asks us to do anything we can do. He asks us to live a life which we never can live and to do a work which we never can do. Yet by his grace, we are living it and doing it. I love that. 
Abraham and Sarah are a good example of this. And I don't, I, I don't know how I'm going to, in four, three or four minutes, capture, but I'm going to try. Their journey to maturity. And if you read the story of Abraham and Sarah, go home this week and read the story of Abraham and Sarah. But think of it in terms of a spiritual journey to maturity in their lives. Their journey to the maturity of their faith begins in Genesis 12 and culminates in Genesis 21, verse 6. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. This journey to maturity is going to look like it's not going to work. It's going to look counterintuitive to everything you've ever thought about what actually works. But it's going to end in laughter. It's going to end in joy. You're going to have birthdays. <laughs> you're going to have some supernatural birthdays. And you're going to look back and go, I didn't think we were going to make it. I didn't think this was going to work. I followed God. My family said I was crazy. My coworkers said I would lost my mind. But it, now I'm the one who's laughing. I'm telling you. You don't believe me. You're so quiet. You're not believing me. But I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Earlier, their anxiety and insecurity, because God had told them, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation when they're like 75 years of age or so. And, and they, their, their, their anxiety and insecurity, you know, when, the, when they got up in their upper 80s, uh, caused them to panic. And who wouldn't? And coordinate Abraham fathering a child with Sarah's servant girl. It, it was spiritual immaturity. It wasn't immorality that caused them to act outside of God's direction. It wasn't lust. It was immaturity. Then at the age of 99 and 90, respectfully, God gave them a child. They didn't just grow old. They grew up. And now their will was one with God. Now they trusted God so much. Now their faith was so secure in God that even when God said, I want you to take your only son and offer him as a sacrifice, Abraham said, okay, God. <laughs> and the Bible says the reason he did it is because it's right in the book of Hebrews. Go look it up. The reason he did it is he knew that God would resurrect him. Here's a guy whose anxiety was so high and he got so out of balance that he thought he had to have a relationship with a servant girl in order to fulfill what God had said he wanted to do to the point that he would even take the one and only son and offer him as a sacrifice because he was now spiritually mature. He was grown up. There's hope for some of you. He didn't grow up till he was 99. <laughs> Stop trying to make your circumstances fit your fantasy. Start letting God form your faith around his promises. Apostle Paul said when facing the suffering 
that was coming at him, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Somebody here this morning is tired. You're tired of being jerked around in your life. And you're ready to become a person who can actually say, none of these things move me. That's spiritual maturity. None of these things move me. Will you move today? Would you commit? You can't. There's no instant prayer for maturity, obviously. But will you move? I'm trying to move there into stability, responsibility, and a life of gracious hospitality. And hospitality may include opening up your home, but it's a lot more than that. Hospitality is a life of giving and creating flourishing and affirmation for other people and going around making other people feel better about themselves instead of constantly wearing yourself out trying to make sure everyone makes you feel better about yourself. But you turn that around and you make it your mission in life to be a giver of grace and not just a consumer of grace. That's spiritual maturity. Let's stand. I believe this is the kind of uh, idea that for somebody here today, it could be kind of a light come on. Oh, I need, I need to change my, my approach to the Christian life. And there's somebody here that, that you're, on the, you're, you're on the giving side of this. You're always, you're always making, you're just, you're always serving, 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 doing, doing, doing. And, but you need to, you need to begin to receive the grace of others. And then, then, then there's others of you that uh, you're always wanting others to do and, and you're always on that side of it. I don't care. You want to shift to God's image. You want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I want to pray for you right now. You don't have to raise your hand or show any sign to this room that you're, you're receiving this and this is for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for each one of us here today, God. I pray for the person whose life is in some turmoil right now. I pray, God, though we want the circumstances, we would pray that the circumstances will change. But if they cannot change the circumstances, change the person who's in the turmoil right now. Change the person who's in the storm when you can't calm the storm and bring stability and hope and power and equilibrium and peace to every one of our lives and joy in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, thank you for your generosity in giving to this church. We appreciate it.